And it is, man, it is such a blessing to be here. As I said, I'm excited to be here, and I know you guys are too excited to be here. It is just, you know, has anybody else just felt the awkwardness the last, is it just me, or has it just been really weird and awkward the last three to four months? Anybody? Right? Do you remember in like 2019 when we all had this 2020 is the year I'm going to get my vision and 2020 is the year I'm going to get everything straight and see straight and yeah, well, <clears throat> this is proof that sometimes our plans are not God's plans and I've learned that um, have you ever had, how many, this is what I've learned. I've learned that I am even more of an extrovert than I thought. How many, how many of you are extroverts? Let me see your hand if you're an extrovert. Yeah, yeah, okay. All right, now, I don't have to ask who the introverts are because you wouldn't raise your hand anyway. You would just be like, hmm. And... You know, I have a friend who is an introvert's introvert. When he goes to the gym, he doesn't just find a treadmill. He finds the treadmill facing the wall. And all of the introverts have been like, are you kidding me? I've, I've, I've prepared my whole life for the last three to four months. I'm, I'm prepared for this. And, and last night at our service, last night, it was, it was amazing. And this place was nearly completely full. And when Charity and Lynn saw one another, they're two huggers. Richard and I thought we were going to have to pull them apart. I don't know how long the hug was. I probably could have started timing it. But it was just incredible to be back in the presence of God despite the circumstances, despite what we're facing. And so all of you extroverts, I feel you. I feel you. No, I'm not really crying. Not yet. But I feel you. And the we've been kind of locked up in fear have you have you sensed the fear have you sensed the worry now i i don't i don't mean that negatively i, I you know there's probably just cause for acting in wisdom and and doing some things for sure and absolutely I, i'm not denying that but at some time how many of you have sensed the fear or sensed the worry or the anxiety yeah it's 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 human it's part of what we go through it's part of being quarantined you know, the gospel tells us, as we've been going through the book of Galatians, Paul is going to tell us that the law in the Old Testament had us quarantined. It had us locked up. It had us at a place where we were afraid, oh my gosh, if I do something, if I step out of bounds, if I do something wrong, well, God is... God is like the, the, the Greek god Zeus who's with a lightning bolt ready to zap us, right? And that imagery that comes over from Greek mythology is not our God. God's saying, I'm simply trying to protect you and show you that you can't get to me on your own good works, that you can't do that. And so in Galatians, if you've got your Bible, you can turn there. If you don't have your Bible, it'll be on the screen or your phone or your iPad or wherever your Bible is. Um, in Galatians chapter 3, Paul gets very specific. And he says in verse 23, we're going to read 23 through 26. Before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. 
Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. Paul starts right off, and he tells the church at Galatia, because here's what they were falling into. They were falling into, well, if I do this, that makes me a good Christian. If I do that, I'm a bad Christian. And and they began to fall into this whole works versus grace thing. And as they fell into that, Paul's saying, guys, you're going right back to where you were. You're going right back into what these, these Judaizers, the Bible calls them, bringing in the law saying, well, you're a good Christian, but you'd be a better Christian if. How many of you know people like, you'd be a better Christian if, right? Now, sure, the Bible says that we're supposed to be holy as he is holy. And the Greek in that word be literally means become. It means an ongoing process. So become holy as God is holy. Work towards that holiness. Work towards that kind of setting apart and, and being different and looking different. But Paul says, guys, you're, you're going to the extreme with this thing. You're going to the extreme with this. And so he says, before the coming of this faith, what's he referencing? Well, he's referencing, again, the Old Testament, right? And God said, okay, if you want to work towards me, if you want to get towards me, then start keeping all these laws. Don't lie, don't cheat, don't do this and don't do that. And, 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 and we're, we're kind of, I'm going to use a very in vogue phrase right now. We're quarantined under the law. We're strapped under the law. And God said, and, and what's he doing? Well, he's showing us that you can't earn it. You can't be good enough. There's no possible way for a a mere human on their own to be good enough to get to God, to get to God. And he says, so in the Old Testament, he said, until, he didn't say faith's plural in verse 23. He said, until this faith, this faith, what's this faith? The Greek word is pistis. It's faith. He says, this particular faith. What is that? Until the day of Christ. That the entire Old Testament and everything that we read about in the Old Testament is all pointing towards one day where Jesus is crucified on the cross, that he's taken on the transgressions of you and you and you and you and me. And what I told the crowd last night was this. I said, guys, every time that I watch The Passion of the Christ, every time that I see a movie where Christ is being crucified, I don't see Jesus. I see me. That was my punishment. That was my punishment. That was my punishment for lying. That was my punishment for cheating. That was my, you say, well, that seems like a pretty extreme punishment. Understand that when you break an eternal law, see, this is a question. This isn't even in my notes, so this is pro bono. People ask, well, how can a loving God send someone to hell for eternity. Let me first say this, that God doesn't send anybody to hell. We send ourselves there by choosing to value things over Jesus, right? We choose to say, you know what, I value sports over Jesus. I value the addiction over Jesus. I value my identity over Jesus. The real sin is when we value something over Jesus, 
right? And so God doesn't, God says, I've opened the floodgates to come in. Jesus has taken the sin. Just believe and begin to walk, right? And so how can a loving God send someone to hell for eternity? Because you've devalued the eternal. And an eternal crime deserves eternal punishment. It wasn't his choice. You read the book of Isaiah. Isaiah says that hell was originally designed for Satan and his demons. But because mankind chose to sin, he had to expand. He, he literally expanded. The Bible tells us he expanded hell. Think about that. Don't ask me the verse right now. I'll, share, I'll have to find it and I can share it with you. Right? But and so there's this, there's this eternal crime of devaluing Jesus above whatever else pleases me at the moment. And so Paul says, guys, Jesus came. And Jesus even said, he says, I fulfilled the law and I fulfilled all of the prophecies. And now just believe in me and begin to walk in me and begin to find your freedom in me. And let me begin to break the chains on your life to free you from all of the things that you think you are so that you can find your identity in me and be free to be the parent you're supposed to be, to be free to be the child you're supposed to be, to be free to be the light in the world that you're supposed to be. I love what John Wesley says as we prayed as a leadership team this morning. He said, John Wesley prayed this. He said, God, I pray that you would set me on fire, not literally, every morning so that others would come from miles to see me burn for you. Amen. That should be our plea. That people would come and say, what is it about you? It's Jesus. It's not me. Because if I, if I had my druthers, if I had my choices, that's kind of druthers is like an old word. If I had my choice, right, if I had my choice, I wouldn't be here. If I had my choice, I wouldn't read this. If I had my choice, I'd just go do whatever. But I value this over me. Amen. And it's more important. And so I'm going to follow it. And I'm going to do it. And I don't understand it. So Paul says that when this faith came, that when all of that kept you guys bound there was coming a day of freedom, and on this side of the cross, we look back and see our freedom, and there they looked forward to see their freedom, Peter says in 1 Peter. He says, we look back, they look forward. It's all that moment in time, and yet we are the ones in history that uniquely can look forward as well. We can look forward to the second return of Christ just as we can look back at the death, burial, and resurrection. We're in a unique time in history. We should be excited about that. And he says, this faith, he said, we were held in custody under the law. Think, of, think, think back before you accepted Christ. If you've accepted Christ, think back with me. How many times did you view Christianity as a bunch of rules? I have to do this, I have to do that, or I better be good, or I can't cuss, or I better not do. But just let me see your hand if you ever thought that. Yeah, like almost everybody in this room has thought that at some point. Why? That's man's way of thinking. That's man. That's man. Religion says, what can I do to get to God? Christianity says, look what God has done to come to me. And that frees me up. And <laughs> I'm free now to live the life that God's did. Now, is it going to take some work? Is it going to take the power of the Holy Spirit working within me? You bet it is. That's why he said, I'll send the comforter, right? And I'll, and I'll send the Holy Spirit to be with you and to be in you and to work through you. Because our natural tendency is sin. It is against God. And so he says that this faith, that this, 
this faith, this faith has, has freed us. And he goes on, he says, but the law was a guardian. Now, a guardian, it's the Greek word pedagogos. It's where we get the English word pedagogue. If you're not familiar with the English word pedagogue, it means teacher, mentor. If you were to, how many of you know what a nanny is? Let me see. see you know, everybody, everybody knows what a nanny is, right? Okay, you guys are like shaking your heads. All right. It's something like nanny on steroids. And what they would do in Jesus' culture is that you would hire somebody or you'd bring somebody in and you would pay them to raise your kid. Now, some of you right now are going, please, sign me up, right? Sign me up for this person. They were in charge of your child's education. They were in, child of, in charge of training your child in morality and integrity. They were in charge of training your child uh, in, in, well, protecting. They were in charge of physically protecting your child and so on. And they were gearing them towards one particular day in Jewish culture. The day when they officially became an adult, which would be the day they turned 13. In Jewish culture, you're an adult at the age of 13. You're treated like an adult. You're tried in court as an adult. You're an adult. And so their job is to prepare you to be, go out on your own at the age of 13. And parents look for somebody that can train their child for the day they can be free. Can you imagine if our kids were full-blown adults at the age of 13? You talk about pressure as a parent. I mean, you got an extra, at least an extra five years, right? I mean, you talk about pressure as a parent. And they trained them. They trained them for the day they would be free so that in their freedom, they could begin to go out and act in faith, to begin to do things. The parents had belief, the children had belief that they were being trained. This is where, in Galatians, just earlier in this verse, in Galatians chapter 3, verse 6, it says this. So also Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now in the English, in the English, we tend to just overlap belief and faith. Belief and faith, faith and belief. And we use them interchangeably. Scripturally, that's not, doctrinally, that's just not, you can't do that. Let me explain the difference. There was a man who walked tightropes for a living. Anybody want to sign up for walking tightropes for a living? Anybody? Okay, I've got one. She's a child and she don't know any better. Okay, so he put a tightrope across Niagara Falls. Are you listening? You ready? All right. He put a tightrope across Niagara Falls. And of course, this is the early 1900s. And everybody came out to watch. Like, this guy is going to plummet to his death. Look, you all know that when you see that dude on TV walking across the Grand Canyon, you think the same thing. I'm like, oh, he's going to fall. He's going to fall. Look, if he fell, they wouldn't be airing it, right? So I can tell you what happens. Flip it, next channel. Right? And my boys are like, no, Dad, I want to watch. I'm like, no, because if he fell and plummeted to his death, they wouldn't show it on CBS. They just wouldn't. So next channel. But anyway, so he puts a tightrope out. And he says, now I have a wheelbarrow. How many of you believe that I can put somebody in this wheelbarrow, walk this tightrope over Niagara Falls, and safely get to the other side? Well, the crowd was like, sure, you can do that. And he said, okay, 
and all their hands were raised. He's like, so which one of you want to get in the wheelbarrow? All the hands went down, except for one little girl kept her hand up. True story. Kept her hand up. Now, I don't know what was going through the mind of the parents. This was before CPS, and people could call CPS on you. Mm-hmm. So, you know what I mean. Her parents let her get in the wheelbarrow. Man, I would have knocked my kid out. I mean, like, I don't know, he just passed out. Ignore the bruise, ignore the bruise on his head, you know, knock him out. But she had faith. Everybody else believed she had faith. Therein lies the difference between belief and faith. I've never been to Greenland. I only know Greenland because it's on a map. Well, I believe it's there, but it doesn't do anything for me. It doesn't do anything. You see, belief, I, I can follow, I can just follow a set of rules and believe. Abraham believed, followed the set of rules. He had credited his righteousness. But then Paul comes along and says, no, 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 the rules have changed now. Faith. The book of James even tells us that demons believe in God, but that doesn't mean they're going to heaven. James, the stepbrother of Jesus, says in his book, demons believe there's a God. That's not getting them anywhere. But faith. So what's the difference? Faith is belief plus action plus your confidence. If I believe it, if I begin to act on it, and I have confidence in it, now I'm walking in faith. I have faith. And so Paul says, now that Jesus has come and fulfilled the law and the prophets, I can now act in faith, believing, taking action based on what Jesus said, and the Holy Spirit working in me. Whatever God tells me to do, I can go do it. And here's the difference between that little girl in the wheelbarrow and everybody else who just believed. She now had the freedom to talk about her experience of going over Niagara Falls. Everybody who believed could not talk about their experience or talk about what the guy, the tightrope walker had done for them. They couldn't talk about it. But somebody who's got some faith, somebody who's got some unction to get in God's wheelbarrow and say, God, I don't care where you're taking me. I don't know where you're leading me, but I'm in the wheelbarrow, baby, and let's go. Amen. Those are people of faith. And they'll be the ones that have the experience to say, you can go ahead and believe I'm riding in God's wheelbarrow. And I believe that in this room, we got some people that are wheelbarrow riders. Look at your neighbor and go, get in the wheelbarrow. Get in the wheelbarrow because you got to be in the wheelbarrow with God. Ain't nobody else. Listen, I, I played sports growing up, okay? I was, I was a basketball guy and played basketball growing up. And I'm telling you what, when you get old, it's hard. It just is. Because the brain says yes, the body's like, you crazy. Right? Like, probably about, you know, before we launched the church, um, I went out with a group of guys from church, and we, we played rugby. Um, if you're familiar with rugby, it's like football without the pads. And I was playing and running the ball, and I got tackled with no pads. And my neck popped and cracked from below my shoulders all the way up to the base of my skull. And I'm like, yep, 
That's the last day of rugby for me. I'm married now. I got a kid on the way. I should probably not be doing this, right? Where was I going? Yeah, so I had some, my, my body was on the verge of aging and now it, now it has aged, but I can tell you that like when I watch sports, when I'm sitting in the stands, sitting in the stands, those last three seconds of a ball game, you know, when it comes right down to the last shot, that sort of thing, I'm like, oh, I got to be on the court. I got to have the ball. I want it in my hands. I can't be the guy sitting there. And it hurts to just sit and watch. And I don't believe God wants us sitting in the stands, sitting and watching. As long as you're sucking air, you have a purpose. As long as you're sucking wind, God has a plan and a destiny and a calling for you. And it doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter. Let me share something with you. You, until you have fulfilled the call of God on your life and done everything that God's asked you to do in your life, until that day, you're immortal. You're immortal. Why you're mortal? Because God's still working in you. That was your amen moment. I know you've been off for three months. Okay, thank you. All right. All right, we'll get the rust knocked off and we'll get there. We'll get back, all right? But you're immortal until God's work for your life is done. And then the Bible says, the Apostle Paul says that this, this mortal then puts on immortality. God's not going to let you die until your time is ready. You're immortal, baby. Yes. Okay, we're, you guys are really rough. Did you guys ever amen me on Facebook Live ever? No, y'all were sitting in your underwear on the couch eating popcorn. I know how it works. It's all right. I'm going to, can I, can I just be transparent as your pastor? Look, well, you need to leave. All right. Here's, I'm going to be honest. There was one Sunday, I just couldn't watch myself. I got up and walked out. Like, how bad is that when you, <laughs> you walk out on yourself? Like, honey, I'm going, I'm going out in the garage. I'm going to clean the garage. I can't watch this. I can't, I can't stomach myself today. You know what I'm saying? Don't tell me you look in the mirror every morning and go, oh, he's so good looking. <laughs> you, you better not even lie. You need to lie like a rug. You in church lying. All right? You know what I'm talking about. Like, you can't sit on the sidelines, and as your body ages, you, that, that adrenaline still kicks in. You're like, your brain's flipping through every play and what to do and how to push off so the referee don't see it and all sorts of goofy stuff. Right? All this sort of goofy stuff that goes through your head. Why? Because you're called to action. You're called to be in the wheelbarrow. And Paul says, you're out of quarantine now. It's time to be free. It's time to let God move in our lives and be people of faith so that people look at you and go, what's up with you? And you're like, oh, dude, I just had the wildest experience in a wheelbarrow. <laughs> and you'd be like, what you been smoking, right? Jesus, man. I've been smoking one with Jesus, and I'm going to tell you it's the most awesome, holy thing that you've ever experienced. And so, yeah, I said that. And so, Paul goes on, and he, sa he says, so in verse 26, as I wrap this up, so in Christ Jesus, you guys can come on up, man. He says in verse 26, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. You're a child now. 
He says, you're, you're a child. And if you think back what Jesus told his disciples about children's versus slaves, he goes, slaves don't know what's going on. The servants don't know what's going on. But a child does. A child knows their parents, and the parents will tell the child things that they won't tell the servants. He goes, you're no longer servants under the law. You're free to be my children now. You're free to follow. One last verse in Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter, th chapter uh, 3, verse 12. Listen to this. In him and through faith. Wait a minute. In him and through, wait, did, did Paul write to the church at Ephesus and say through belief? No. He said through faith. Through your belief, actions, and confidence. Through your faith in him. We can approach God with what? Freedom! Freedom! All right, a little Braveheart. On the count of three, everybody get Braveheart with me. One, two, three. Freedom! Yes! Freedom and confidence. You can't work in faith without freedom. And Jesus brought the freedom so that we can begin to work in faith. So that now he doesn't just have one Abraham, he's got billions of Abrahams walking the planet. Isn't that something? Amen. Amen. We're going to close in song. Would you stand up? You see, the Bible says that we who live after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus have the Holy Spirit in us. Moses, Abraham, David, Solomon, you name them. They never had the Holy Spirit in them. They only had the Holy Spirit influencing them from the outside. But now we have the Holy Spirit in us so that we can approach the throne boldly. Think about that. Think about that. You take the Holy Spirit with you everywhere now. Everywhere you go, you take the Holy Spirit with you. Wow. Wow. If you're here this morning, as we close out in song, if you're here this morning and you just, you just need prayer for anything, I'm going to pray with you. I want to pray with you. But let's sing this out. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good. You turn it for good.
see a victory for the battle belongs to you lord i'm gonna see a victory i'm gonna see a victory for the battle belongs to you Heavenly Father, I thank you for your presence in this place today. I thank you that we can walk out of this place being people who ride in a wheelbarrow, people of faith who believe, take action, and have confidence in you. And Lord, if there's anybody in this place today that is simply at the place of believing, may you move him to a place of faith in you. Until next week, Jesus, watch over us, protect us, guide us. It's in your name we pray, amen. As you exit today... We're just going to ask that if you're on this side, exit out those doors and then go that way towards your car. This side, out those doors. The offering buckets are there. You can just drop your offering in there. You guys have an amazing week. We love you.